Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. We talk Memphis, you sound so good. We talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Uh, yes, and exactly. You know, you're listening to the show in Memphis about finances, about insurance, about investing. I know, you know, it's a program that is designed to educate, entertain. Well, let's go back to educate. Maybe not so much entertain, <laughs> but we are here to give you some I think information. My guest today is someone, two people we have today, but today we've got a program lined up. I mean, you do not want to miss a second of this program. Kurt Zarnowski, you know the name. He's been here multiple times over the years. He is a welcome guest all the time because Kurt is our authority when it comes to Social Security. A question, we have multiple questions that have come in from you guys about what to do about Social Security. What does this mean? And why did I get this? And how do I handle this? And that's going to be what he's going to be doing for us in the first half of the program. But the second half of the program, I am very pleased to have Chris Abair with us. And he is going to dive into this question about helping employees. How do we help employees get healthy financially? Now, you know, I just the way I say that employees, I'm talking to the employers of the world. I mean, those people that you know, get up every morning, you're going to work, and you're wondering, am my people really doing okay? And the reality is, and we have found some statistics, and Chris is going to give us just unload on us some ideas that really are employees are facing. And in fact, Chris, let me ask you, it's in the face of some some economic growth. We've seen some slow growth, but we are doing some growth. There's a, this idea that the majority of employees report, this is what we're reading, that they are experiencing at least at least some degree of financial stress. Now, Chris Abair, he is with us today. He is one of our advisors. He is the director of financial literacy and uh, for our company, which is a subcompany of the company, a subcompany of the company, <laughs> uh, whatever that is. But reality is, welcome to the program, Chris. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah. But let's go back to this question. You're finding that a lot of employees are literally saying we got issues and. What are we going to talk about in the second half of the program? Well, Jim, in response to that, basically what's taking place are employees are introducing financial wellness programs. Uh, you got that right. Not health wellness, but financial, financial wellness, wellness yeah. uh, in the workplace to help employees stick to budgeting, uh, to manage debt, and also to help them save for retirement. So in the second half of the program, you're going to walk us through some of those issues. And that's so important because we're, you're talking to people all the time, and they're, they're like this deer in headlight look. Our employees need help, and they're saying, uh-oh, we did find out, and they do need help. Yeah, absolutely, they do. Uh, and I think that there's a lack of awareness, and we're going to talk all about it. All right. That's great. That's the second half of the program. But the first half of the program is Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting. He is one of those guests that everybody likes to listen to, so you need to stay with us because when we come back, it'll be Kurt, and we're going to be diving into everything you might think you might want to know about Social Security. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
Jim Shoemaker and Chris Abair are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. This portion of Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. Our guest, a frequent guest of ours, Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting, and we're talking about Social Security and retirement planning. Uh, Mr. Kurt, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. So if I'm on the show, it's got to be close to a holiday. <laughs> you know, we started that tradition, what, about five, six years ago? I and, think uh... so. I think so. <laughs> Just well, the way it always works out, so it's good to be back. But it's good to have you, sir. I hear Francis was telling me this morning that you have some good news to tell us about, something going on in February at the Zarnowski household. Well, sure. And uh, listeners of the program know that I've got uh, one grandson, Jackson Grant, who uh, Jackson Grant Rollins lives outside of Atlanta. But uh, we're now expecting our second grandchild, another boy on the way, my son and his wife expecting in February. So maybe when I'm on in mid-February, uh, we'll be able to announce the birth of the second Zarnowski grandson. Oh, I tell you, what a, what a group. What a group. Well, we always uh, are so excited about having you, Kurt, because there's so many things. We've got some questions I want to lead with, some things that some people have just, you know, sent to us and asked, and we've got the people know that they can go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. If you've got a question, just simply go to that and send us an email, and we'll try to get that question on the air. But the first one... Kurt, here's the question that came up, and I and you know Chris and I were talking about it earlier, but Chris, somebody had said the idea behind they had on their Medicare card a T. It was like Medicare, and then it gave their name, and it had a T on it. And they said that someone had told him that if the T was there, that that meant that they had filed and suspended. Can you help me with that? Is that do you know that? Is that possible? Well, not necessarily. Uh, the the T on the Medicare card just indicates the person is not collecting. Social Security benefits. Ah. So it could be somebody who had uh, filed and suspended, but more likely it was somebody who had not necessarily uh, started, worked or paid into the Social Security program, for example, um, but had paid into the Medicare system 
and had applied for and uh, had Medicare coverage based on their work activity, but were not collecting Social Security benefits. So if they if they do start collecting in the future, then they would get a new Medicare card without the T. Is that just what you Well, saying? and basically the Medicare card would contain their Social Security number with the letter A ah. after it. That indicates uh, to the Social Security Administration the basis for that person's claim. Number with an A after it indicates somebody's collecting based on their own work record. Somebody is collecting as a spouse their Medicare card, and they have uh, Medicare eligibility based on their spouse's work record, their Medicare card is going to show the spouse's Social Security number with a B after it. Somebody's a widow, for example, Medicare card will show the deceased's Social Security number with the letter D after it. It's just a, um, an alpha record system to help Social Security keep track of what type of benefits somebody's collecting. All right, that's good. Well, let me ask you this, then. Here's the, here's another question. we got a couple, but we'll, I want to get into this, some of the facts that are changing for 2017. But here's a thought for you. Here's a question that came in. Again, anybody listening know that if you've got questions and you know that Kurt's coming on, just send it to us, and we'll be glad to get these questions on. But this one said, if I, if I don't so if I don't go and notify Social Security, they just turned 66. They said, Jim, I, you know, in the type and they said, we don't really want to, to do anything. So if we do nothing, do we have to go and file and suspend? Now, I gave them, you know, I typed them back an answer, but I want you to answer the question because I'm thinking this person's thinking, well, since some of the rules have changed, uh, do I even have to notify Social Security that I don't want to get my Social Security benefits? And I just want to let it go and go from there till I'm age 70. Do they have to do anything? Absolutely question. not. Uh, the important thing is for somebody and all our listeners to, to recognize, and we talked about this before, you know what your full retirement age is for Social Security purposes, which, folks, these days it's the month you turn 66. If you defer collecting Social Security benefits past your full retirement age, you begin to accrue what are called delayed retirement credits. And your eventual payment is increased by two-thirds of a percent for each month you don't collect. Now, that translates into an 8% per year increase, but you don't have to not collect for a full year. For each month you defer, your payment is increased by two-thirds percent right up until age 70. But what people need to understand is you accrue those delayed retirement credits for each month you don't collect a payment. It doesn't matter whether you don't collect a payment because you happen to have filed and then asked to have your payment suspended, or you're not collecting a payment because you just haven't gotten around to applying yet. So somebody who is intending to wait all the way until age 70, no reason for them to have to apply, file, and suspend at the, at the full retirement age. It's the fact you're not collecting that means your benefit's going to be increasing with those delayed retirement credits. Interestingly, the same thing is true at age 65 with Medicare. Lots of times people ask me the question, well, I don't intend to sign up for Medicare at age 65 because I'm still working and I'm covered under my employer group health plan while I'm working. Do I have to tell Social Security at age 65 that I'm not signing up for Medicare? And it's the same answer there. No, you don't have to notify Social Security that you're not signing up for Medicare. Generally, if you don't sign up for Medicare at age 65, you face a penalty and late enrollment if you do try and sign up at a later date, except if you were covered by your employer group health plan when you were 65, and that's why you didn't sign up for Medicare then. So 
Down the road, you do sign up for Medicare at a later date. Social Security's initial reaction is going to be, well, you should have signed up at 65, and you go, oh, I had the employer group health plan. They'll give you a form to fill out, and at that point, you're going to demonstrate to Social Security that the reason why you didn't sign up was because you had that employer group coverage. That will entitle you to Medicare right then and there without any type of premium surcharge being imposed. So there's no requirement at 65 that you tell them you don't want Medicare if you don't want it, nor is there a requirement at 66 or full retirement age to let them know that you don't intend to take your Social Security benefits at that point. Whenever you do apply for your benefits, you're going to get the delayed retirement credit increase in your payment for however many months you hadn't collected. But let me ask you this now. What about the person? Let's just let me give you the scenario. The person retires um, uh, at, at July of the 1st. OK, their last date was June the 30th. Uh, they have forgotten to notify Medicare that they want to go ahead and apply. Now, there's a window there. There's a time period that they've got 60 days, 90 days. What is that period of time before if they wait too long, they may have a penalty for not being in that window that they could have enrolled. Is that sure. correct? Yep, absolutely. And and the the complicating factor is there's basically two windows you need to be aware of. One is the window pertaining to signing up for Part B of Medicare, which is the non-inpatient stuff, doctor's visits, clinic visits, things like that. The other different window, though, applies to Part B, which is the prescription drug coverage. But the bigger one is the Medicare Part B, and what the law says is your employer coverage ends at the end of a particular month. You then have seven months after that in which you can roll in Medicare Part B and not face any type of premium surcharge for late enrollment. So you get this seven-month window once your employer coverage ends. It's a little bit tighter, though, if you have prescription drug coverage through your employer and you intend to enroll in a Part D. Medicare prescription drug plan, you have 63 days from the date that employer coverage ends, that prescription drug coverage ends, to sign up for a Part D plan and not be faced with a penalty or a surcharge. Yeah, I can't believe you say seven months and then 63 days, not 60 days, not 90 days, 63 days. Not 64, <laughs> not 62, 63. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, it is complicated. That's why we have this particular individual on a frequent basis talk to us about a complicated, shouldn't be this complicated, but it is. And it's Kurt Zornowski with Zornowski Consulting. And I tell you, Kurt, you do such a great job. Hi, the war. You must, you are a bright, bright, bright individual because I've been kidding with you. We've done multiple shows many, many times, and I still do not get this stuff. I mean, it is complicated, and they're changing the rules. There's some new facts coming out. I know we've got the adjustment for cost of living. How about telling us a little bit about that? Sure. And, you know, one of the great things about the Social Security program, as we've talked about, Jim, is it really is the equivalent of a defined benefit pension, one of those uh, old pension systems that are going away where you become eligible for payments and your benefits continue until the month you pass away. You can't outlive your Social Security benefits. But an even better part of Social Security is the fact that there is built into the program inflation protection. And since the law was passed in 1972, each year, Social Security beneficiaries get an annual guaranteed cost of living increase in their payments. Now, 
this is really important, particularly if you're going to be living 20, 25, 30 years in retirement. If you don't have some measure of inflation protection with the passage of time, purchasing power of the benefit you had falls off the cliff. So with Social Security, there's a lot of confusion, though, about why a cost of living increase is granted some years and isn't and in others. And what the statute says is in determining how much of an increase Social Security folks will get, the Social Security Administration is required to look to a measure called the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners, abbreviation is CPIW. It's a measure of inflation, which is tracked by the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics. And the period of time that Social Security looks at in determining the amount of the COLA is the third quarter of one calendar year to the third quarter of the following calendar year. So uh, we'll go back in time a year ago. From the third quarter of 2014 until the third quarter of 2015, there had been no increase in that CPIW. As a result, effective January of 2016, Social Security beneficiaries did not receive a cost of living increase in their benefit payments. Well, last month, Social Security announced that the CPIW had increased, and they're required to look back to the period when there was last a COLA, that from 2014 until the third quarter of 2016, there had been a very slight increase in the consumer price index, a 0.3% increase in that CPIW measure over that period of time. But that's what Social Security beneficiaries will receive in their payments effective this January. But it's based on the increase in the consumer price index. That was the measure that was in place back in 1972 when the legislation was passed by Congress, and that measure hasn't been changed. That's what Social Security is required to look at. Now, if they're, if they're changing that, there are also some other numbers, and I understand that retirement under earnings, if you're, in a, you're retired and you've got some tax-exempt earnings, that number's also gone up, correct? And sure. help us well, know what's going on there. Yep, a whole bunch of things. Now, it's important to point out, at the same time, Social Security announces the cost of living increase in Social Security benefits, they also announce a number of other changes that are occurring in the program, and we'll get to these and specifically in a second. But it's important for listeners to know that some of these changes, for example, the amount of earnings that are required to earn a Social Security credit during a particular year, the amount of money that is going to be allowed to be earned under full retirement age and still collect benefits. While these changes are announced at the same time, they're based on a different measure. They're based on the increase in wages in the country over that same period of time. So you're going to see all of this announced at the same time, but benefits increase based on the increase in prices, that consumer price index. But some of these other changes that we'll talk about, they're based on the increase that has occurred in wages in the country over the, over the past 12 years. So, well, you know, a bunch of those, including the one I had referenced, you know, you get Social Security benefits down the road if you've earned a certain number of Social Security credits during your working lifetime. For retirement benefits, you need 40 Social Security credits. You can earn a maximum of four credits during a calendar year. So 40 credits, that's the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system. How do you earn a credit? Well, it's because you're working in a job where Social Security tax is being deducted from your pay. And 2016, for example, you earn one Social Security credit for each $1,260 that you happen to make 
during the course of the year. Now, you don't have to earn four credits in a calendar year, but you can't earn more than four credits in a particular calendar year. Well, in 2017, the amount of money required to earn a Social Security credit will increase to $1,300 per credit. But because you can earn a maximum of four credits, it means, for example, in 2017, you have earnings of $5,200 or more, then you're going to earn your maximum of four Social Security credits for the calendar year, put four in the bank towards that total of 40 that you require to qualify for benefits down the road. So I guess my thought is, can you do that in just one quarter, or do you have to do it? You can it do it in a day. In a day. You make $5,200 or more in a single day's worth of work. You get it. And you have earned your maximum of four credits yeah. for the calendar year. But there's a whole separate issue, which is you need to have earned 40 credits to qualify for something, in other words, to get your foot in the door. But then, second question is, well, how much am I going to get? now that I've worked and paid enough time into the system. And that's a whole separate issue. We've talked about that. Benefits are calculated by averaging your highest 35 years of work under the system. Not necessarily your first 35, not necessarily your last 35, not necessarily 35 consecutive years, but it's based on your highest 35 35. years of earnings. So the more you've made, more you've paid into the system, higher your ultimate benefit's going to be. But it's also important to point out Each year, there is a maximum level of earnings that are going to be subject to Social Security tax. For example, in 2016, you're going to pay Social Security tax only on the first $118,500 that you make. Anything above that, you don't pay Social Security tax on. So when it comes time to average your uh, earnings for your benefits, Social Security only averages in that $118,500 for 2016. Well, that number also increases because of the growth in wages. And in 2017, you'll be paying Social Security tax on the first $127,200 that you make. And if you go back to 1975, 1980, it might have been $36,000. Is that that's, exactly? Yeah, exactly. So but you have to total, is, total all that in. Will go up. But Social Security does adjust all of those prior year earnings for inflation. Bring them up to what they are in today's dollars before they average them. That's good. Okay. When we come back, here's a question for you. That's I've got a I've got a a blended family. I've got an adopted child. I've got his child, her child. I want to know how all that fits together for Social Security benefit for a 30-year-old. So stay with us because we've got Kurt Zarnowski, Mr. Social Security. It's a program that you do not want to miss. You'll want to listen to this program several times and simply because of what he says, the amount that he gives us, tremendous information. Stay with us because when we come back, more of Kurt Zarnowski and Social Security. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult with their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I am Jim Shoemaker, and we're talking with Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. He is, of course, the guru, the Ph.D., the smart guy, the guy you want in your back pocket if you got to make a decision about Social Security. 
and he is always a frequent guest and welcomed guest. And Kurt, welcome back to the program, sir. And when we left, we were talking about retirement earnings and tax-exempt amounts. And if I go to work, I've retired, and I'm getting my Social Security, I know they've changed the Social Security amount that I can earn in order to continue to you know, collect my Social Security. Talk about that for us, sir. Sure. And the important thing to note is we're talking about folks who are looking to collect Social Security benefits prior to reaching full retirement age. Because the month you hit your full retirement age, Jim, under the rules of the program, you can work and earn as much as you want without any loss of benefits whatsoever. But if you're interested in collecting payments before you've hit your full retirement age and you want to keep working, you need to understand you're limited and how much you can earn before it begins to impact your ability to collect. And the important thing to note, too, is this earnings test that we'll reference, that applies whether you're collecting your own retirement benefit, whether you're collecting a spousal benefit, whether you're collecting a divorce spousal benefit, or a survivor benefit, any type of retirement-related benefit, and you're under your full retirement age, you're allowed to earn a certain amount of money without it impacting your benefits. 2016, you're allowed to make $15,000. Seven hundred twenty dollars without any loss of benefits. That amount increases in 2017 to sixteen thousand nine hundred twenty dollars. Now, what counts towards that figure? Two things only: wages and/or net income from self-employment. In other words, earned income only. Next year, sixteen thousand nine hundred twenty dollars or less in earned income, meaning things like a pension, 401k distributions, bank interest, dividends. None of that counts towards that 16920 threshold. Now, what happens, though, if you're under full retirement age, working, making more than that 16920 Well, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't collect at all, but if you're going to be exceeding that threshold, Social Security is required to start holding back $1 in benefit payments for each $2 that you're over that 16920 threshold. So, depending on how much you're making, you may be old enough to collect benefits, but again, depending on how much you're making, you may not be able to receive anything because your work and earnings preclude any type of payment. But again, from the month you reach your full retirement age on, you can work and earn as much as you want and collect full Social Security benefits at the same time. Okay, what you said, there's no limit to earning on earnings beginning the month the individual attains their full retirement benefit. That's what you're saying. That's what everybody That's needs what to— That's what I'm saying, and yeah. the important thing for listeners to know, too, is that applies even if you, say, had started collecting at age 62 or 63. For as long as you are under your full retirement age, you have this earnings limitation, but— From the month you reach your full retirement age on, you can work and earn as much as you want, and that applies even if you had started taking benefits before you had reached your full retirement age. That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, you've just done another great job for us, Guy. As always, you've been listening to Kurt Zarnowski. Kurt, I just want to tell you thank you, sir. I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're going to have some time with your family. Uh, We will be gathering the entire family here, so looking forward to it. Great, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Great holidays, and we'll talk to you after the first of the year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
Take care, Jim. Yes, Bye-bye. sir. All right. Now, we've been talking with Kurt Zanowski. Coming back, we're going to talk with Chris Abear, and he is the director of financial literacy at Shoemaker Financialist Company uh, that we have uh, put together because we believe it's time to teach people about finances. So, Chris Abear, when we come back. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services is affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. When Nazi Germany achieved a surprise victory over France in 1940, an alarmed President Roosevelt immediately began expanding national defense industries at a breathtaking rate, which greatly altered the face of the Mid-South. Within a year, two major defense industries were operating in Shelby County. Memphis became the U.S. 2nd Army Headquarters, where training for the half-million soldiers stationed in Tennessee was conducted. The nation's only inland naval base was established in Millington. Workers were hired wherever they could be found, and local factories were retooled for wartime production. During the war, the Ford plant was used to make airplane engines, Quaker Oats manufactured synthetic rubber, and Firestone produced rubber life rafts. Of the 40,000 men and women from Shelby County who served in our armed forces during World War II, 662 were either killed or missing in action. Among those who served, African Americans from the Mid-South fought with exceptional bravery and honor and contributed in countless ways to the defeat of Germany and Japan. One African American from Memphis who served with distinction was Captain Luke Weathers, who flew with the famed Tuskegee Airmen and shot down seven enemy planes. Weathers once said of Memphis before he died that this is a city that has its feet in the Mississippi, its souls in the churches, and its minds up in the blue sky with God. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. My guest now in this part of the program, Chris Avery. He is the Director of Financial Literacy at Shoemaker Financial. And I, Chris, I just tell you, there's so much going on right now with this particular problem that employers are, are facing. And because they're looking at the the statistic that employees are stressed out and it's affected, they're stressed out financially and it's affecting some of the people, that, some of their work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think... I think the biggest thing here is is just they lack uh, direction, they lack awareness, and uh, there's just so many choices that now are forced on them in order to to make decisions about their financial balance sheet and their financial future. So 
due to that, uh, that's why we built out these workshops is to create a platform, uh, a, a way for us to go out in a non-threatening environment, in a place that they're comfortable, and uh, empower them to make better decisions. Well, actually, there's a survey that came out in 2015, and this was um, said that that and I, that employees that how the question was how frequently do you find yourself just getting by financially and living paycheck to paycheck, and it said 48.2 percent of those responded all the time. It's the number one stress factor in anyone's life. Uh, seven out of ten people are, are dealing with this type of stress. They they they're they're dealing with issues that uh, where they feel like they're strangled, where they just can't seem to get out of uh, the hole. Uh, you know, when you say that, when you can't get out of the hole, I mean, they can't move through that. I mean, you've actually got a lot of statistics. It, it bothers, it increases absenteeism. Yes. Uh, the people begin to make mistakes on the job. You were telling me uh, turnover because they're they they're Getting a second job or somebody offers them another dollar, you know, they say, oh, well, I got to take that. I mean, that's an issue for employers. Absolutely. And in terms of retention and everything else, I mean, if you the hardest thing for an employer to do and business owners know this is hire good, good people, people that are aligned with the company, people that are going to go out and, and help them deliver on the uh, the promises they're making, the commitments they're making to their clientele. Uh, so it's 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 hard for employers to to really continue to maintain those promises if they're constantly replacing people in the inside of their company. When you look at this and when you talk to people and you're saying employees lack direction, and it's not that they're not smart. That's not what we say. They just simply are not financially oriented, and they lack direction with their personal finances. Now they may be doing all kinds of extremely important things for the company or, or things that have to be done for a company, but. They need help in some of the – let's just go through some of the ideas of what they need. Let's talk about that. I mean, I know one of them, they, they don't have the pension plan anymore where it was just an automatic for them. Uh, I can remember my dad having a pension plan. I can remember when pension plans, when I first got into business, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of the mandate for everybody. And all of a sudden we went to the 401k and you became almost like I can do what I want to do now. That was kind of that thought process. But it's really kind of, I won't say backfired, but it's made a lot of problems because you you get people that don't know what to invest in. And that's what you're talking about. So help me with some of the things that, that you see with the employees. And I said pension plans, but health insurance today, health insurance is an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Because what's happened is uh, with the Affordable Care Act is the, the plans are more watered down. There's more out-of-pocket expense. So not only are they spending more of their own dollars at the doctor and at the hospitals and, and on drugs and things like that, but they're also paying higher premiums. So they're, they're trying to figure out where's the balance in that? Like, what, what plan do I pick? Oh, I don't even want to go there. I have to admit it. You know, I, you would think I would know how to just pick one real quick, but I have somebody in my in the office, as you know, that she she I said, OK, look at this and help me get through. This. It was enormous. And, you know, I ought to be able to just, OK, pick this. You know, I couldn't because it was this and this. And I fortunately and Candida, you know, I'm talking about you, but that's OK. <laughs> She went back and she said, well, this is what you spent last year, and this is where you are, so we should make this. I mean, it was an enormous amount of information that I didn't have at my fingertips, and I had no clue. You know, we're spoiled. We have Shannon Dice in the office as well, and he is he's the expert. And, and fortunately, we have people like Kurt, who was uh, just on, uh, that have just a wealth of knowledge in these complicated uh, areas uh, that, that really affect our financial life. So. 
Well, you're talking about pension plans. We don't have those, so it's now 401ks. you got decisions you have to make about how your investment looks like, health insurance coverage with the Affordable Care Act. What about savings? Do you find in your work today where you're working in the financial literacy group where you're walking through with a lot of people, are people saving money like they used to? You know, this that's such a tough question because you'll you'll see statistics that back up both sides of that. Uh, I think what people lack is their, their intention is to save. Everyone's intention is to save. It's just their discipline of saving uh, lacks, and whether it's delayed expenditure for a vacation, for a home purchase, uh, whether it's saving for college, whether it's saving for retirement, all these things that they intend to do, it's just a discipline. So it's the behavior behind the action yeah. that we're lacking. I uh, was talking to someone recently, and the the question came up as a result of kind of this program. Then they, they said, well, you know, I've got $28,000 in credit card debt. And, of course, after I picked myself up off the floor, I thought, that's enormous. And I and I just I could not I could not understand these. It's a couple. They both work. They both make a very good living. Why do they have twenty eight thousand dollars in credit card debt? Now here's the question. Here that's the question. Why? Here's the answer. Well, we consolidated. Okay, they went to a, a better card. Okay, that was one. So they grouped a lot of things into one card. I understood that. Uh, and then they said, well, there was an opening of a, of a furniture store, and, and they had a great sale. Yeah. Great sale. <laughs> Sales <is> terrible. <laughs> oh, you know, and as soon as they said that, I went, yeah, I got it. I now get it. Okay, which house? You completely redid the house. Now, here's the thought. These, these, this is a couple that definitely makes enough money. They could have saved money to do that. But instead, they ended up with an enormous amount of debt on a on buying house and that was not and, and by the way guess what has happened guess why they were in my office the stress that yeah. that had created absolutely uh, she was looking at the furniture and said hey it's great but she didn't like the debt he was saying well i don't like the furniture either nor the debt i mean you know what i'm saying it was this it was a battle over a lack of planning yeah. number 1 and then making quick decisions adding to the debt it created the stress and that's kind of what we're talking about when you do a financial literacy workshop and that's really what i want to phase into and talk about and people listen to me you though you that you've got somewhere if you've got a if you're an employee and your company would offer this great but if you're an employee and they don't 757-5757 is Chris's telephone number. If you're outside of that area code, 901, it's 1-800-757-1059. That's 1-800-757-1059. Give Chris a call. Financial literacy is a critical part of what we've got to do. We've got to learn how to manage what we're being paid mm-hmm. to in, to decrease that stress, just like that couple we were talking about a few minutes ago. So let's talk about this. I know Financial Literacy Workshop improves morale because it gives a chance of a group of people to discuss issues. And a lot of times they'll come and ask you personal questions, you know, on a one-on-one. But the reality is, how do you see this working with people? Yeah, so that again, it, it puts them in a position where they're comfortable, a non-threatening environment. It's a comprehensive workshop. And the one thing I want to make absolutely clear is this is not a product pitch. Right. This is not about selling financial This is financial products. literacy. Absolutely. It's just building a foundation of, of a knowledge, of understanding of what you can do financially to build in discipline, to build in, to understand your health insurance, to understand estate planning, to understand how to, to save for those delayed expenditures. To understand that we all enjoy. your 401k. Yes, because again, uh, back in the days in the pension, uh, as we were discussing 
question earlier, that life was a lot easier. Planning was easy because you just worked and then you retired and then you got a guaranteed check every month. Now the the risk is on us. The risk is on the employees to to not only save their money, but then to invest it wisely. And what I mean by wisely is uh, here we are with, with with everything that's happened over the last uh, two weeks. The emotion, the emotions that's uh, been taking place in the marketplace. Uh, we have to uh, we have to navigate those emotions now, w- because we're so emotional about it. it's our retirement. And all of a sudden, we look up and the the Dow futures are down eight eight percent. And you know what? Uh, talking to Keith Quinn, our investment director. Yeah, he made the comment. He goes, "How if we all had the opportunity to to sell out at eight percent at nine o'clock, ten yeah. o'clock at night that night? Uh, how many people would have uh, taken that opportunity to sell to cash?" And then, lo and behold, it's one of the best weeks in the market. Yeah. You know, when, when would you have gotten back in? Is the problem exactly? You had to you had to guess uh, right twice. Right. You got to guess right when to sell and guess right when to buy. So it's those type of emotions that affect people's uh, you know their financial plan that affects people's uh, retirement plan, and that's what makes them so concerned, and, and that's what makes them so stressed out is they never know what to make. It's not a lack of information. They have there's Google, there's all kinds of search engines out there and articles. What it is. It's just how does all that information apply to them? How do you assimilate all that a massive amount of information? And it just overwhelms. In fact, it doesn't make any difference whether you're the CEO of the firm or you're walking in and you get the minimum wage in the firm. I mean, the bottom line is it is a massive amount of information and very hard. I mean, I'm the best example of just making a decision during my open enrollment of which plan should I take. And i be honest with you, I mean, very open and transparent. I was frozen with information. Yes. Way too much information. Better participation if you're what you're trying to get to in this group benefits yeah. where you can help somebody understand it absolutely improves morale, helps people understand what they're doing. The This this workshop, I mean, I guess I could put a kind of a, a thought about it. But it's an empowering workshop where people openly can discuss and and, you know, talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, it helps uh, employee recruitment. I know. I mean, yeah. it gives a sense of, hey, this is what the company does for us, and it helps in retention. Yeah. So to that point, uh, better better participation. And there there are a lot of business owners uh, that I work with and that I hear from that that provide benefits, and then they're frustrated because no one's participating in them. Oh, so it, these workshops uh, put them in a position where they understand the value of those benefits that the employer is trying to provide them. So once uh, once they understand that, now they're dealt with the you know the decision to. Uh, okay, well, now I know why the 401k exists and why, you know, how the match, I can utilize the match. Now I understand the investment options that I have. I uh, now understand the disability and all the different things that we have access to, but we probably don't just quite understand. Uh, and once they understand it, we find that um, the participation rates go up. And then, so not only are they going to provide the benefits, the, but we're also providing the information so that you can make the best decision. Well, that is, that, a, that is critical, Chris, for what you do. Financial Literacy, uh, Director of uh, Chris Abair, Director of Financial Literacy for the firm, 757-5757 or 1-800-757-1059. One of the things that I think is so important, Chris, is when you do that, you you help employers. Now, this is I'm talking to the employer, meet some of the guidelines. I mean, those things, ERISA. Department of Labor, all those things that are falling at us right now that uh, employers are faced with, what you do with the financial literacy workshop is really 
guide some of that around and meet some of the requirements. Yeah. So the so employers are the last thing they want to hear is uh, the Department of Labor. <laughs> one of the last things I know there's a lot of people they don't want to hear from, but Department of Labor is definitely one of them. So what so what these workshops help them do is uh, is meet some of those regulations, uh, help them meet some of those regulations and take the target off their back that, hey, listen, yes, we provide a, a defined benefit plan or a 401k, now, but we're also providing education so that they know how to utilize it. Yeah, education, great word. And it's uh, instruction, education, it's information. You compile it all together. And you guys actually have a workbook that uh, you've gotten that, that, that when, I, when an employee shows up for one of these financial literacy classes, you're not just shooting off the cuff. You've looked at the benefits that everybody has, and you look at their, all of what that particular employer is providing. But you're not just, you're not just talking about those benefits. You're actually teaching financial literacy. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like, like the finance class in high school that we went through when I was going through high school that they don't do anymore. It's, uh, it, it is, and I don't want to say basic, but it is somewhat basics 101 for finances, and it just is a guideline to help people understand. Yeah, it's not intended to be insulting the, the basic foundation knowledge of it we're, we're going to be teaching, but I mean, we are, we're doing everything from risk management to cash management uh, to investment concepts, tax management, retirement planning, and estate planning, estate conservation. So uh, there is a workbook involved in it so that you know, once they leave the workshop, uh, then they, they have their notes, they have the workbook that backs up all the material that we discussed. So all those things uh, are an added benefit to the workshop. And you talked about the fact that 7 out of 10 Americans today claim financial stress is the most common type of stress that they experience. Yeah, and my opinion is this, Jim, is the reason why that's the case is they just don't know where they're headed. Uh, everyone that I talk to, I say everyone, but I mean, most people I talk to, they're always concerned about, well, how do I stack up against people, my peer group? Uh, am I behind? Uh, am I am I doing anything stupid? And I think it's just a lack of awareness that the that what they're doing uh, is the right thing. So uh, within the workshop, we're teaching them the the principles, the concepts for them to make those decisions and feel confident about it, so that they they don't they don't have to be in the dark about where they're headed financially. They can actually have you know tremendous idea. thoughts. I mean, the Society of HR Management talked about some topics and just briefly go through those topics. I think some of them were retirement planning that. You know, again, 79% of the people that were surveyed by this group, Society of HR People Management, said this is one of their biggest issues. They want to prepare. They just don't know how. You know, everyone has a 401K balance. They all have IRA balances. That, uh, so they see what's in their account. They just don't know how to unwind it and make income out of it. Mm-hmm. So the balance is, is irrelevant to them because they don't know what that produces in terms of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why Social Security is so important. That's why uh, understanding how do I then take this 401K balance and then create an income stream out of it. So And then it's the people that are in different phases of am I doing the right things to get that balance to the point where I need uh, in order to create the income that I desire in retirement. Well, again, for those of you listening, employer, employee, employers, we're talking about this is something for you to provide for your employees. Employees, if you're not getting something like this, you need to call or just talk to your HR people. Just let them know. Chris Abair, Financial Literacy at uh, Shoemaker Financial. Just go and, you know, give him a call, 757-5757 or 1-800-757-1059. Uh, Chris, thank you, sir. I mean, great program. I hope, I mean, I know you're passionate about this. You're dedicated to teaching. You're a great teacher. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on the program to kind of just let us know what things are going on for you. Yes, thanks, Jim. Advocates for the business owners and the employees. There you go. Very much. Well, we've had a good program. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. Of course, he talks about Social Security, frequent guest of ours. Chris Abair, of course, did a great job talking about financial literacy. My board operator and producer is Gil Worth and guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Elman Moskovich, and compliance officer, of course, yours truly, Jim Shoemaker. Mid-South History Moment, read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. Jim Shoemaker helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Chris Bear are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.